0: Certainly, his highness was tall for his age, and with none of the awkwardness of boyhood. He was elegant, rather, delicately made, and carried himself with an air of unnatural, almost dangerous, quiet, and control. Despite his plain dress and subdued manner, he was not in the least insignificant, but of a noticeable and princely appearance. To Florent, he seemed even at this first glance a personality, masterful, and attractive. Welcome to Rebecca Reed's Recollected Works. This is where I, your host Rebecca, read some forgotten or rather neglected authors from the past and even the very recent. I recognize I'm using the word recollected a little incorrectly, but I thought the alliteration with Rebecca Reed's Recollected Works sounded better. So I'm taking a little creative license here. So I am excited about this first episode as we all sit at home. I know I've been reading more books, and I'm sure you all have too, as we shelter in place from the COVID-19. I feel like this is the the plague year, or it's like the mask of the red death. Hopefully no one's planning any parties at remote states. Anyway, on this first episode, I am excited to tell everyone, to tell all my listeners about a somewhat forgotten author, Marjorie Bowen. And in upcoming episodes, I'll be highlighting a few other forgotten authors And I'm excited to tell their tales once again. So what I'm going to do on this show, I am going to talk a little bit about the author and then delve into into some of their works or even a, a singular work. So join me, Rebecca, into a look at Marjorie Bowen. Marjorie Bowen is not her name, actually. I'm looking at this website, fantasticfiction.com. Marjorie's real name was Gabrielle Margaret Verlong. I think that's how it's pronounced. I'm an English speaker, and for my foreign languages, I took German and Japanese, so um, French. Anything like that's a bit... um, not used to. Anyway, she was born in 1885 and died in 1952. Let's see, uh, apparently, she wrote about 150 volumes, including short stories, and she had a number of pen names, such as Margaret Campbell, Robert Pay, George Preedy, Joseph Sharing, eh, Sign of the. Time. She used a lot of um, male names, fortunate she had to do that. And I'm looking at a picture of her, black and white, you'll see it online. She um, has these eyes that are looking off into the distance. Makes me wonder what she's thinking about. Anyway, she grew up with an alcoholic father who abandoned the family and apparently literally died on the streets. And then an overbearing mother, and in fact Bowen actually started writing at the age of 16. She sold her first novel, The Viper of Milan, which apparently um, caused some controversy because it's a bit, sort of a bit violent for a 16-year-old girl to write, but I guess back then they didn't know about that 16-year-old girls can can't kind have of violent thoughts. Or, or maybe maybe I'm just a weird 16-year-old. <laughs> so um, I also was reading this other book, Monster She Wrote, which I purchased last year, and I highly recommend it. It's about female authors in the um, horror genre. Because um, Marjorie Bowen, this is a sort of a cheat. She is fairly well-known for... Her um, ghost stories and her sp- sort of spooky fiction. But what I want to do is look at more of her sort of history books she wrote. She actually wrote some nonfiction history books as well as some historical fiction that, for all intents and purposes, I feel has been ignored. Except by... <laughs> a certain niche publisher, which I will discuss shortly. But going back to her biography on Fantastic Fiction, also I pulled some of her biography from Monster She Wrote. Again, great book. So she actually studied as an artist and was actually the head of one school, apparently, told her to leave because she was talentless, and then she even lived in Paris for a while. Uh, unfortunately, from her writing career, um, her mom kept taking her, her money, it seems, and Bowen was literally the only breadwinner. Uh, she was actually married twice. First, um, from 1912 to 1916 to a um, Man from Sicily, and he died of tuberculosis. That's kind of interesting. She's actually, I should have said this earlier, she's English, she's British. And I find it of rather interesting. She was married to a Sicilian. I feel back then that may have raised a few eyebrows. Although back then, I think anything could raise a few eyebrows. And then later on, she married a man named Arthur Long, and she had four children, one of whom died in as an infant, sadly. So, so I'm just looking through the list of her books. She's done a lot. I mentioned the, um, the sort of ghost stories, but again, she wrote a lot of um, historical fiction and that's what I'm going to focus on on this episode. She wrote a three-volume series on um, William and Mary, as well as two volumes on William of Orange, um, different William. He is, um, you've probably heard of King William III. He is his great-grandfather and um, sort of the big hero over in, um, in the Netherlands. And then she wrote a volume about Oliver Cromwell, as well as the um, George Washington. (laughs) Yes, this woman from the early 20th century from Britain wrote a historical fiction novel about George Washington, and I've read it. She she's actually you could call that the hero of the book. Although one thing I've noticed with Marjorie, with her historical fiction, she doesn't shy away from from really highlighting the that no one's a villain or a hero, and in fact she has no, for instance, in the first volume of the William and Mary trilogy, I will maintain, she has a teenage William throwing a tantrum because he doesn't have expensive lace for his cuffs. Hmm. She's also see. She also wrote a little bit about Mel Gwynn and a couple of other books. Interestingly, a lot of her books are eBooks now, and I just love like when I go on Amazon looking at the the cover art they choose for some of these eBooks. It's a little I mean, I don't have any artistic skill, but I could do better. They're also not that accurate. And one, she has King William and his wife, uh, not King William, but his father, and King William's mother, instead of um, William and Mary. Hmm. So, she also wrote about, um, she also wrote a few novels based around um, well-known crimes that occurred in her era as sort of a law and order approach. All right. So eh, maybe she would have liked the uh, true crime podcast of today. So without further ado, I am going to delve into Marjorie Bowen's historical fiction and her nonfiction history articles. So Marjorie Bowen's history books. I am going to be focused primarily on her books, focusing on King William and Queen Mary. Um, She has a really great historical fiction trilogy. Um, Of course, there's not that much historical fiction about them available, which I find rather sad. It's a very interesting time in history. I mean, it's a rant. The 17th century, particularly in England, is just ripe for historical fiction. It's when we start, in my opinion, things start to become more more modern. See a lot of scientific developments, as well as political changes. I mean, heck, they behead their king and you get religious fanatics running their country for 10 years. But again, it seems the Tudors get all the love, which is kind of f- sad, really. I, s- I love that show, The Tudors at the time you know he sexed up Henry the but Charles II in the 17th century is the one having orgies in his palacy in his palace practically so kind of sad but I'm starting to see more more works around the 17th century which which is good I know Philip of Gregory which is not to everyone's taste just put out a new book set in the English Civil War Oh, and as an aside, I went to her talk at the National Book Festival last year, which which seems like ages ago. And, of course, she had to specify she was talking about the English Civil War being D.C. I guess over there they probably just call it the Civil War, whereas over here we don't talk about the American Civil War. <laughs> Interesting. Um, but William & Mary... So, she wrote the trilogy as well as some other historical fiction books I'm going to talk about. She also wrote some nonfiction books about William and Mary and Queen Mary II. Not a lot out there, at least on this side of the pond. So, I'm really glad to have her nonfiction book about her. So, the William and Mary trilogy starts with the book I Will Maintain. It's about William in his early twenties or late teens, early twenties, and how he becomes head of the Netherlands, concluding with the assassinations of the the DeWitt brothers, which she doesn't shy away from the horrifics, which if you've seen the movie Admiral is pretty bad. Um, She does a wonderful job of depicting him. She doesn't totally idolize him. He, He can be a jerk at times. And my only I do find it interesting everyone in the books who's not an agent of Louis the Fourteenth or Charles II seems to fall in love with him. And I wonder about her too. she's she has a real fascination with him writing the fiction novels and the uh, the not the nonfiction too. So I wonder what it was about him that that piqued her interest and her curiosity and her fascination. I'd just love to just talk to her for just like five minutes, just ask her. So anyway, the second book in the trilogy, Defender of the Faith, talks about or covers the early period of their marriage and is actually the weakest and not as historically accurate. For example, one character... Is relate turns out to be related to another character, and from my own research, this person did not exist. And, and also, the book is very anti Catholic, just a heads up about that, which I find kind of interesting. She's married to a Sicilian, and I'm assuming that this gentleman was Catholic because almost I want to say at that time, probably. Most of the country was. So, so I wonder about that. And about the religious aspects. And her being from from England. And her writing about all these Calvinists. He's William he is not the first Calvinist she writes about either. And then we go into the last book in the trilogy. For God and the King. About the glorious revolution. And then Mary's death. Um, Battle of the Boyne and the death of William not as strong as the first but it's it's a lot more historically accurate than the second um, she does a really good job of covering Mary's death and and then and as I said she's got this fascination with with King William III, and even his family. She wrote about his great-grandfather, the, the great national hero of the Netherlands, the first William of Orange, in these two novels. One is Prince and Heretic, and the other is William by the Grace of God. Mm. The sequels are good. She, The central character in both books is actually not William. It, it's sort of told through the lens of of his second wife's lady's maid and which, which I thought was an interesting, interesting narration or interesting narrator. And, and both books are, both of those are historically accurate as far as I can tell. I mean, it's historically accurate as historical fiction can go. Um, but I feel they're certainly weaker compared to the William and Mary trilogy. But as prequels they're they're decent. And no, no jar jar. <laughs> and she's also written about Oliver Cromwell. Uh, the novel is the Governor of England. And one of the side characters is an interesting woman from history. Margaret Cavendish um, just an interesting woman who lived through the um, English Civil War and the Restoration and she actually, Cavendish actually wrote what some consider the first science fiction novel called The Description of the New World called The Blazing World. Usually just called The Blazing World and was quite a character, I think, I read somewhere she liked to go to the theater um, bare-breasted. So, and I'm curious why she included her as a side character. Again, I'd love to have this conversation with her. And then stepping out of the 17th century, she wrote a novel about George Washington called The Soldier from Virginia. Or The Soldier of Virginia. Heads up, I left my copy of that book at the office, which I haven't seen, and I haven't seen the office for two or three weeks at this point. So, and for an English woman in the early 20th century, she writes pretty favorably of the first U.S. president in the American Revolution. Um, but on to her nonfiction books, she wrote a great summary of William... The Third of Orange, and he was a child up through his early 20s called William Prince of Orange. She also wrote an essay about him and the Glorious Revolution, and she also wrote a, compila- a compilation book of Queen Mary of Orange's letters. Um, the book is called, I love the title, The Third Mary Stuart, and it seems to be pretty rare. was pretty lucky to find a copy online I just want to write, read through some of her observations in this book, and again, there's very little about Queen Mary out there, which is pretty sad. I'm trying to flip through and find the part I wanted to read. There's a really good passage here about fashions that I love. The fashions in Mary's reign were perhaps the ugliest women have ever worn. The gown tight-laced, the petticoat short in front, the heavy overrobe long behind, the sleeves with cuffs at the elbows, the long gloves everywhere furbelows, rosettes, laces, the hideous headdress, the hair brushed up over a pad, topped by an erection of lace was so unbecoming that it soon went out of fashion. But Mary did not escape from it, An engraving by John Smith shows her in the full panoply of the virtuous housewife, a costume as cumbrous, as unhealthy as it was unpleasing. Okay, so next she's talking about her death, and some great observations. This is interesting, especially in the age of COVID-19. So she's writing about um, Queen Mary's dying of smallpox. It would seem that deadly infection must have been broadcast in the women's trailing gowns, in the bishop's full robes, in the huge periwigs, laces, coats, skirts of the men, not to mention servants running about with cloths and vessels. So, some of these delightful little observations. And so, it's, it's a book that really needs to be reprinted. I know it was written back in 1929, but like I said, very little in nonfiction, at least for the lay reader, on Mary II, or even historical fiction. I did find some historical fiction novels written um in the early like forties fifties by a woman I think her name was Jean plady p l a i d y and I'm butchering her name um they do they present William as a humongous monster while well, i well, I suspect he probably was a dick at times. I feel that you know. There's yours, mine, and the truth. It's probably somewhere in between. All right, so I'm now going to tell you where I found out, where I got most of my copies. It's kind of interesting. There's actually a Calvinist, I didn't know they were still around, actually, um, publisher, and they've been reprinting, actually, some of her books. And I just love it, too, because they basically, in one of their advertising materials, basically state that, right, she did not share our faith. But we really like her books, because they uh, profile our, our heroes. <laughs> Think of it as, imagine if Stephen King wrote a bunch of historical fiction about Martin Luther and all the characters in the Reformation, and that a hundred years later, these Some Anabaptist or Baptist publisher in Idaho starts reprinting them. So they've reprinted her, um, because it's in the public domain, from what I can tell, her William and Mary trilogy, the two books about William of Orange, and The Soldier of Virginia, and The Governor of England. They also collected her essays on William and the Glorious Revolution, along with an essay she wrote about the Swedish king, Gustavus Adolphus II. They've been packaged together. And so it's just an interesting... I just find it fascinating that this religious publisher is reprinting all of her books, and and she's actually more well-known for her her sort of supernatural fiction. Sometimes it's just interesting... Way the world works. Anyway, so that's a wrap. I do want to mention one caution. Marjorie Bowen was writing in the early 20th century from England. So some of her observations, some of her writing may not come across as, I don't like this term politically correct as, or to modern sensibilities, I think that's a better term. To modern sensibilities, so so word of caution. That's that's something to keep in mind for for anyone who writes um, starting in the nineteen tens through mid century. So, so that's a wrap. And um, for future episodes of Rebecca Reed's Recollected Writers, we try to profile some maybe some more modern. Forgotten folk, and and the whole spectrum, gonna include some children's books too. So, um, so thank you, and while you're sheltering in place, enjoy some reading.